Hey guys, how's it going? So some of you might know, but yesterday my piece finally got published in Patheos about a defense of modern worship. And so I thought I would give you guys sort of an audio version of it and just give you a little bit of um, the background and and just get into it. So it started with coming across an article that someone was sharing. They were sharing this in a positive way uh, on social media, but, um, but we read this piece, I read this piece, and uh, actually my wife sent it to me. And the piece said, this is the title of, of the piece that I read, Keith Getty states the painfully obvious, contemporary worship is dangerous. Modern worship is a movement of cultural relevance. It's utterly dangerous and is leading to the de-Christianizing of God's people. An authentic generation doesn't begin with catharsis. It has to begin with an authentic picture of the God of the Bible. This one actually is really interesting. Over 75% of what are called the great hymns of the faith talk about eternity, heaven, hell, and the fact that we have peace with God. Yet less than 5% of modern worship songs talk about eternity. He goes on to say, No kidding. In other words, Keith Getty says what anyone who dared to look at the movement with a critical eye has been saying for decades. Contemporary worship isn't helping the church. It's infected it with a resistant and insidious strain of narcissism, an addiction to Jesus-y entertainment, and a self-soothing pseudo-gospel. It's spiritual junk food, a quick and easy answer to deep spiritual hunger. But in the end, it only leaves the church bloated and addicted. So I read that piece, it goes on, but I read that piece and uh, and I just wanted to sort of stand up for, for the modern worship uh, movement because, well, I'll get into that here in a second. Um, so yeah, so I understand what that person is getting at. It's one of those things where you can tell that there's something to what they're saying, right? They're not like 100% off, um, but, but it also is perhaps uh, wrongly emphasized. Um, so I'm going to get into the to, to my response. Although I agree with his sentiment, I disagree on his emphasis. Underneath this argument is a kind of assumed Gnosticism, an assumption that if something is emotional, if it speaks to the senses, it must be bad, as if God made heaven but not earth. Even if I conceded that all modern worship is shallow, which I don't, it would still be a case of trying to fix roots by critiquing leaves. And that's, you know, this idea that even uh, even if songs are relatively shallow, they're songs. Like, <laughs> well, I'll get into that here, so here's the next piece. It also assumes the role of music is to teach. I disagree. I believe the role of teaching is to teach. Critiquing a song for being insufficiently theologically complex is no wiser than critiquing a BMW for being insufficiently a watermelon. The role of music is emotion, and if we believe emotions to be a part of our proper and God-given nature, then demonizing them is not driven by a desire for goodness, but rather a desire to elevate our taste above others, because to do so makes us, ironically, feel better. And this is the real heart of the piece, that in his article was this... Um, was this idea that modern worship music and the modern Christian movement generally is or can be corrupted, but that whatever his version of how things should go could not be. 
And I do agree that there is corruption within modern Christianity because there are humans involved. But when we go back and we look really honestly at previous times, at times, uh, let's, you know, let's say Catholicism or, you know, these very organized, very powerful organizations. And I just talked to um, David Bates, obviously, who is Catholic. So I have a lot of respect for Catholics, actually. I'm really kind of doing a deep dive into uh, into some Catholic podcasts and stuff, and I'm learning a lot. And I'm just very deeply interested by that. I think it's really, um, really beautiful and different and interesting. But there's corruption in something that is very individual-based, and there is corruption in something that is very institutional. This is just like basic human nature. But the person who wrote that article seems to only see that one type of worship is a trade-off, that one type of Christianity is a trade-off, and not that every type of worship is a trade-off, that everything we do is imperfect because we are imperfect. And when we don't allow, in my opinion, when our emotions see, in my opinion, modern worship music, the idea that a really beautiful worship song written by a current alive person, to me, that is almost the perfection of what art is capable of. The idea that a beautiful new piece of fresh art could bring you into the attention of God is like that is the highest thing you could do with a piece of art. So that is where emotions should go. That is what emotions are for. And in my opinion, when you push that down, when you separate positive emotions completely from God, now you can definitely go too far, and I get why he's saying that. I get that. But why are we so hesitant to think that being in God's presence wouldn't make us feel good? Now, it would correct us in ways we would not want to be corrected, but it would also make us feel at home in the same way that if you have a great father or a great mother as a child and they corrected you, there's part of you that it doesn't like it, but there's part of you that feels safe in the arms of someone who is wiser. And that mixture of things... I believe, is what it would be like and what it is like to be in the presence of God. It does clarify, it does convict, but it does soothe and it does bring peace because we are in his hands. So to have our emotions in his hands in a way that is speaks directly to our human emotions is beautiful. And back to the, the Gnosticism thing, this idea that God created heaven but not earth, that if something is emotional, that if something is physical, then it's dirty, and that only things which are theoretical and spiritual in some theoretical way are somehow good and spiritual. C.S. Lewis did an amazing job of destroying that argument several places. And one of them, he talked about how the three ways we participate in the nature of God, I can't remember them all, but one of them was baptism, one of them was communion, and there's there was a third one, which was more um, internal, more sort of spiritual or whatever. But he basically, in Mere Christianity, talked about how two of the three ways that we are called to participate in the nature of God are physical. You physically do them. You physically go underwater in baptism, and you physically eat something in communion. That God is not uh, out, you know, that God is not anti 
your humanity, that God created your humanity in his image, that it is not perfect, it is flawed, but he is not against it. He wants it to be purified. And I believe that great worship music does do that. I believe it's beautiful and, and one of the highest things that art can do. So I see that when you push that down, when you do not allow any positive emotion in your spirituality, you end up being where this person, I believe, is. Where he wants to elevate his desire, his taste and his desires over how worship should go above everyone else because he needs to feel better. That when we do not allow God to love us, we need to be right. And I understand the irony of me saying this. And I don't think that everything I say should be taken as gospel either. I just wrote this piece as a piece of balance. I wanted to bring some balance to the argument because I'm obviously a more traditionally leaning person generally, a more, you know, um, just a more in that vein. So people, uh, people that, you know, are kind of in this world, they seem to be, they seem to have a hard time pushing back on this very cold uh, Christianity. So my piece is is designed to to bring balance, uh, not to um, you know, not to be gospel either. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go on to the next little section. Perhaps the most insidious assumption his piece makes is that only those people over there are vulnerable to corruption. You need not look very long at the more traditional forms of Christianity to see that they too are corrupt. It implies a sort of caste system. The implication is that those shallow modern worship artists and the millions of people that worship with them simply aren't on my level. They still want that music they can feel. Can you even imagine needing that? Something I'm continually fascinated by is the fact that churches which write the most moving worship songs almost always have some teaching that is, shall we say, suspect. This is not a coincidence. It's inescapable. I myself have written two albums, and from my experience, songwriting is a process of tapping in to what people are feeling deep down but struggle to communicate. As a result, the better you are at tapping into that subconscious stream of collective emotions, the worse you will naturally be at balance. And this is really key. It is not a coincidence that Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation, all these churches that write all the best songs, that they always have some theology thing that is a little bit off. That is not a coincidence. It could not be any other way. Because if you are deeply in tune with emotions, with your emotions, with sort of collective emotions, if, you are, if that sense is very heightened in you, then you will not be good at balance. This is why very creative people tend to be not very sane. Because they are so, uh, they are so dialed into this one aspect of human nature. And especially when that aspect is encouraged, then they go even farther in that direction. So this one aspect of human nature is extremely heightened. And so there is a, there's a lack of balance. And likewise, churches that have the best, uh, you know, the most balanced theology, the most like, you know, just the thing, the way of seeing uh, theology that you think is the most sound and, and grounded, they will never write the songs 
that will bring you to tears because they naturally are balanced in their thinking. And that balance does not facilitate songwriting because songwriting is emotion. The currency of writing songs is emotion. From my experience, songwriting is a process of tapping into what people are feeling deep down but struggle to communicate. As a result, the better you are at tapping into that subconscious stream of collective emotions, the worse you will naturally be at balance. This is inevitable. Take the church you think has the most sound theology. Are they out there writing the songs that bring us to tears? Of course not. They could no more do that than they could rewind time. Their natural inclination towards balance is wholly incompatible with the hypersensitivity to emotion that is needed to write captivating songs. This is why it's hilarious when Taylor Swift wants to give us her political opinions. Both the mystic and the lawmaker are completely necessary, but neither can touch what the other is capable of. Both sides need each other. There is one body, but it has many parts. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. A deeper walk with Christ involves the slow, tedious process of giving in to our vices, hating ourselves for doing it, and doing it again, until slowly, after years of repetition, piece by piece, turning over our desires, knowing that we truly cannot trust ourselves. I've recently been slowly working my way through N.T. Wright's Paul, a biography, and if there's anything I've taken away, it's this. God has a lot of patience. From the way we bicker today about how we should worship, all the way back to Paul and Peter fighting over whether or not converts must be circumcised. And that is a really interesting book. Um, it's just called Paul, a Biography. And it fills in all these uh, context details about the world that Paul lived in as far as like the the way that politics were at the time, the way that culture was at the time. All these like little details that I that make the the scripture really come to life. Um, so that's an amazing book. I'm about um, halfway through, I guess. We have always argued over these things, and that's a good thing. It shows that we care. But to indulge the idea that anything we could do would be perfect is, in my opinion, to overplay our hand. We have always and will always be flawed, and it is only by the mercy of God, that any of us should be anything but damned. In my opinion, much of modern worship music is utterly beautiful and captivating. Likewise, the older I get, the deeper my appreciation for more traditional worship grows. So, that begs the question, which one should you participate in? That's easy. The one that makes you cry the one that pulls all of your thoughts and emotions, all your disparate and warring desires, into the attention of the infinite. Anyway, that's the piece. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you'd like to read it or, or share it, um, I'm going to put the link down in the description here below. And I'd love to get your feedback. And I'm going to put the email for the, the podcast email here in the description as well. Any thoughts you have on this topic, I'd love to get your feedback. And uh, yeah, I'll be back with you soon. But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to read this to you guys and, and just keep you up to speed. All right. I love you guys.